0: Welcome to Week in Review, where we recap events and issues pertinent to Central Illinois. I'm WMBD News Director Will Stevenson. Political candidates often come to Peoria, and whether you like him or not, at least one potential political candidate came to Peoria on Friday. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is at some point expected to throw his hat into the ring officially to be a Republican presidential candidate next year. He spoke to the Peoria and Taswell County Republican Party's annual Lincoln Day dinner, held At the Peoria Civic Center. Here is an excerpt of what DeSantis said.
1: I bring greetings from the free state of Florida. I know some of you are Florida residents because you told me you are. And I was just in Fort Myers this morning signing bills and I interacted with a number of people who used to live in Illinois and now live in Southwest Florida. I'm a little bit disappointed that your governor said I wasn't welcome in Illinois. Because, I seem to remember, when he was locking down this state, he sent his family to my state to live in our freedom in Florida. I didn't say they weren't welcome. Well, it's exciting to be here because, as a Republican, You know, you're really in the the heart of the historical Republican Party. Not only Abraham Lincoln, but Ronald Reagan from not too far away from here. And it doesn't get much better than that for our party. I actually come bringing good news. And I know you'll say, okay, well, where is that good news? Republicans have fumbled a number of elections for many cycles now. And although we won the House, we should have had a big majority. We actually lost a seat in the Senate. And we've uh, frittered away so many different elections in recent years. You have the Democrats and the left, as people here in Illinois know. Uh, They are absolutely obliterating communities throughout this country. And you see that in Chicago. I know in Chicago because every time they do something bad, real estate values in Naples go up because people are leaving. But you see that what leftist government has done across this country. And then of course, Joe Biden has done more damage in a short period of time than any president in our lifetime. So where's the good news? Well, the good news is that the state of Florida proves that Republicans can win again. Florida is the place where our shared principles and our shared values actually become political reality. In Washington DC and in many states around this country, uh, true big conservative policy victories are few and far between. In the state of Florida, we deliver big victories every single day. Now, I want to thank the congressmen for inviting me here and I appreciate what they're doing in the house. It's the only part of the government and nationally that has any sanity. Uh, He had mentioned our election in 2018. You know, what Florida has been able to accomplish was not foreordained. Uh, I got elected in 2018 by 32,000 votes. Uh, Less than 1%. And as close as that was, that was not out of the ordinary for the state of Florida. If you go back for the previous decade, 2010, 12, 14, 16, 18, presidential races, governor races, all one-point spreads. And it was almost a perfect political balance, and you just had to hope you could eke it out. And so uh, I was told to be mindful of that balance. Don't rock the boat. You don't want to upset that balance. And while I appreciated that advice, I rejected that advice. Uh, My view... My view was I may have earned 50% of the vote but that entitled me to wield 100% of the executive power and I was going to be an energetic executive that pursued these big policy victories and did what was right for Florida. I would not ever put my finger in the wind and try to contort myself based on public opinion and to this day I've never taken a single poll about any issue that's come before my office as governor. Leaders don't follow polls, leaders get ahead and they lead on the issues that matter. We made sure to go on offense and not just be in office like some potted plant and we also understood that governor executive positions Require you just not to be right on policy, but you to exercise leadership. And so when we had COVID hit, I had to make the decision about, uh, was I going to be willing to stand alone? Was I going to be willing to do what I thought was right in the teeth of unprecedented opposition? Or was I just going to go along with the crowd and subcontract my office to people like Dr. Fauci? Well... <laughs> We did not do that. Uh, We led, we faced a lot of incoming. I had a lot of people tell me I was doing the wrong thing politically and that I wasn't long for this world. But you know, leadership is about caring more about protecting the jobs of the people you represent than trying to protect your own job. And, And so we led and we led and we were right. And so fast forward four years later, we don't win by 22 32,000 votes. We win by over 1.5 million votes, the largest the largest Republican victory in the history of governor's races, and it wasn't just that we were winning up and down the ballot. We won in rural Florida I mean, we were getting 90 plus percent in some of these rural counties. You know, I used to see numbers like that out of Chicago. I just assumed assumed it's dead people voting or something. I didn't think anyone could get it. We actually got it. It was fair and square. So you did major rural sweeping all the suburbs and even urban areas. Our largest county, Miami-Dade County, 2.8 million people. Hillary Clinton carried it in 2016 by 30 points. Uh, We not only won Miami-Dade County, we won it by double digits, and no Republican has been able to do that in a long time. We understand that politics is a team sport, and so we worked hard to elect people up and down the ballot. It's not just about you. So we now have super majorities in the Florida legislature. We were able to help elect 29 conservative school board candidates up and down the state of Florida who are making a difference now in education. And for the first time since the Civil War era, there is not one single solitary Democrat elected to statewide office in the Sunshine State. And we were able to do that because we had a bold agenda, we had bold accomplishments, We obviously energized Republican voters, but we didn't win with only Republicans. Uh, We won over 60% of the Hispanic vote in the state of Florida. We won independents by 18 percentage points. We won women voters by 9, and no Republican has been able to do that in Florida in our state's history. And so that created a really strong electoral tsunami. And so what's the state of play for Democrats? Well, I'll read you a headline from one of the legacy media outlets, quote, There's no plan, there's nothing. Florida Democrats are in despair about the future. That is what you call winning as Republicans. And I think we were able to do that, and I think other states and the country can do it, because we understand when you're governing, it's not about entertainment. It's not about building a brand. It's not about virtue signaling on social media. It's about winning and it's about producing results. And we have produced more results than anybody anywhere in the country. Darren mentioned some, number one in net in migration. We're also number one fastest growing state, number one for new business formations, number one for education freedom. US News and World Report just ranked us number one for education overall. And we are number one in parental involvement in education. We have no state income tax. You should try it sometime. It works a lot better, I'm telling you. We are fiscally conservative. Our state has millions of more people now than New York State does, yet New York's budget is twice the size of the budget of the state of Florida. And yet we have better roads, better services, higher performing K-12 through schools and the top ranked public university system in the country. Where is their money going that they're taxing these people with? And so we respect taxpayers in Florida. We have the second lowest per capita tax burden in the country and second lowest per capita debt burden. And we've generated the largest budget surplus in the history of the state of Florida. So that is what you call good management and good government. And as proud as we are of that, none of that would have mattered had we not stood our ground for freedom when it really counted during COVID. And I'm just proud to say... I'm just proud to say that when the world lost its mind, when common sense suddenly became an uncommon virtue, Florida stood as a refuge of sanity, as a citadel of freedom for people not just in our state but in all of the United States and even for people around the world, including your governor's family who sent people down there because we were living in freedom.
0: Again, an excerpt of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's speech in Peoria Friday night, edited for time and to remove most of the applause that you might have heard. Again, just saving time there. As we attempt to cover both sides of the visit of Governor DeSantis, you will hear from protesters with more Week in Review coming up. You heard in our previous segment from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis at least a few minutes of his speech in Peoria Friday night to Peoria and Tazewell County Republicans, but there were some protesters, not a lot, but at least a hundred of them at one point who protested with speeches and a drag show that happened outside the Peoria Civic Center. So let's hear from the other side of Ron DeSantis coming to Peoria.
2: We are peaceful. Nonviolent. If you are being an agitator, I'm going to ask you please leave. You don't have to, but I'm going to ask you to please leave. Uh, PBL, if you do not know, we are a black led organization. Myself and Ren, Marshall Seidel, and Ren Fuller. Um, so as black people in a black led organization there's a lot riding on us to be peaceful as peaceful as pro- as possible so when we have people especially our white allies who take it into their own hands to be aggressive that reflects very poorly on us that puts our lives in danger and not just us but our amazing speakers if we could give them a round of applause yeah thank you all thank you all um so Announcements. Let me see what we got here. Uh, I am the, med- the media liaison. If someone is asking for an interview, please come and find me and I will do it. It's no worry to me. Um, furthermore, uh, if you are feeling uncomfortable, please ask the press for their press passes and their badges. They should have them. Um, you have the right to peacefully protest, just so you know. However, please make sure that you are not past where I am on this dirt. Please do not do that. Um, Again, agitators will be kindly asked to leave. Please make it happen. Um, I would like to give a special thank you to Kristen Meyercord of the ACLU.
3: Many of you know who I am. Could be good or bad, but anyway. um, My name is Kristen Meyercord. I am the president of the ACLU chapter Peoria, Illinois. I'm, I'm reading off of this um, now as many of you know the ACLU has more than a century-long history of nonpartisanship in elections we do not favor one party over another one candidate or office against our opponent that spirit of nonpartisanship is something about which we are very proud but we know issues and especially know what it takes to protect and advance civil rights and civil liberties in short we know true American values And while I am not here to tell anyone who to vote for or against, uh, especially the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, here is what I can tell you. His values are not American values and they are not values that we believe here in Peoria. They will not play in Peoria. It is not an American value to support and applaud banning books in Illinois and in Peoria. We believe that families, not politicians looking towards the next election, should make decisions about reading materials for the children. If you don't want your child to read a book, don't get it for them. But don't tell others what to do. It is not an American value to deny our authentic history, to deny America's systemic racial problems, our historic involvement in slavery, and the maltreatment of Native Americans who preceded white Europeans to this country. In Illinois, we are not afraid of confronting our history and learning our errors in order to move forward in a more thoughtful way. It is not an American value to deny the right to make crucial reproductive health care decisions to women and transgender people, not leaving it to a handful of elected officials who will never confront the agony of a complicated pregnancy. In Illinois and Peoria, we trust women and transgender folks to be allowed, just like every resident in Illinois, to make their own decisions about abortion and reproductive health. Yes, Illinois is a haven for those being denied reproductive health care as far away as Florida. It is not an American value to punish teachers for talking about being gay or lesbian and deny any conversation about gay and lesbian issues in school up to high school. In Illinois, we believe that every person in our schools needs to be recognized, affirmed, and respected, meaning that we need a comprehensive sexual health education curricula in our public schools that recognize the values of all students and faculty members. And it is not an American value to stigmatize trans youth and deny trans youth and families the ability to make their own decisions for medical care. In Illinois, we are protecting trans youth assuming access uh to health care and allowing trans youth full access to public education and thank you so governor DeSantis, we can can take his florida values back to florida in <laughs> illinois we understand that freedom means respecting the rights of others to make their own decisions and to fully live as their authentic selves here in Peoria, we stick with these Illinois values and respect and value all of our neighbors. Woo! Hope you will join us to fight here in our state. Hi everyone, thanks again, and thank
4: you to Peorians for Black Liberties. My name is Cassie Lucchese, she, her. I am the president of Peoria Proud, and I am glad to be here Woo! with you all today. Thank you. That's my
3: president.
4: <laughs> Cassie for president? No. Um, so. I, I did not write a speech. I'm just going to speak from my heart because I feel like that I'd do best that way. Um, and so I just want to start by saying each of you matters and representation matters. And being here today is what matters. We are living in a very divisive world right now where people tell you that you don't matter. And we want you to know that you do. Here in Peoria, here in Illinois, you have access to health care. You have protections and we want to keep it that way. Illinois is the number one state right now in the United States for lgbtq protections Yes, right and as as awful as it is in other states and in other places our mission is great our mission is that of love it is that of peace it is that of support and community and that is what we are here to show that hate has no
5: place in Illinois it has no place in peoria and we will not tolerate it my name is lisa Roder. i am the administrator director of positive health solutions at uic college of medicine and about a year ago i took over this position as the administrative director just as we were taking on the position that we needed to add more lgbtq primary care and gender affirming care to our services that they were greatly lacking here in Illinois. But more than that, they were lacking very much so in central Illinois and downstate. So um, as a medical director, you're gonna get some stats from me, and I apologize for that. That's just who we are as medical people. But I think it's important to know that as I prepared for this, Um, speaking engagement today. I was reading an article and it was talking about the population of the transgender uh, adults and youth in our country. And disproportionately, young adults take over the largest share of the gender population, transgender population. And the older and I say older because I am old, but the older population or middle-aged population of transgender is a very small proportion of the transgender community as a whole. And what's important to know about that is why that's so. And, it, and that's so because they're at risk. The older population, the middle-aged population of transgender were not allowed to live their true and authentic lives. The middle-aged population of transgender faced scrutiny. They faced discrimination. They faced shortage of access to health care, poor health outcomes. They faced suicide rates that were off the charts. And they faced violence. And I don't mean to say that in the past tense, because sadly that's still happening. But we're not going to have a population of older transgender individuals if we don't stop that process now for the youth that we have today. That process has to stop. Right now trans youth are three times to five times higher to actually act out suicide rates and 31 times higher to actually have the thought in their head. That should not happen. It should not happen that transgender individuals don't have access to health care. That in Illinois, you have to go up to Chicago or down to St. Louis in order to receive care. And that all the states around us have put bans on care for trans youth. That's almost 80,000 trans youth. If you look at the amount of youth in the states around us that currently have bans, we're talking about almost 80,000 individuals and their parents and their medical providers who are facing discrimination, who are facing the loss of their medical license, who are facing the loss of their children because of allegations of child abuse. And that has to change. At Positive Health Solutions, we're very much appreciative of the community allowing us to provide services to the LGBTQ community. We very much welcome transgender pediatrics to our offices. We're seeing kids as young as eight and as old and adults as old as 80. And I'm proud to say that we can provide those services. But we're taking calls every day from not only across our state, but all the states surrounding us. And we're doing the best we can. But I very much appreciate the community helping us do that, helping us advocate for medical associations and medical facilities that will provide this care without discrimination.
0: Again, those were excerpts of those opposed to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis visiting Peoria Friday, edited for time and for applause. More Week in Review coming up. An important force for the development and growth of Peoria has died. Former Peoria Mayor Richard Carver died a week ago at his Florida home at the age of 85. Carver spent decades on the city council and as mayor, and is credited with, among other things, leading the charge to build the Peoria Civic Center. I talked about him with former city council member Lester Bergsten.
6: I was on it from 73 to 93 and he was there most of the time, but then he got a chance to go to be an undersecretary of the Air Force, so then he left while I was still on the council. And I served under New Miller. New Miller was just there for a short time, and then I served under Jim Malou.
0: Take me back to that time you were on the council with him and uh, and with everybody else. What was that time like in terms of, I, I guess, what the city of Peoria was like.
6: Well, we had some tight budgets because I I remember uh, we closed the fire station in my district and of course I got a lot of heat on that. But uh, we did have the fire training center across the street and that was accomplished. So that was a a plus from that side. And then of course uh, the big item we were working on was building the civic center. And uh, I was very strong on it before I would give my vote. I said, you know, some of these civic centers don't do too well and they fall back on the taxpayers. And I said, uh, the way the finances need to be written up on this and documented very closely is that the, the bondholders are the only ones that are going to lose money on this, that it cannot come back on the taxpayers. And so they they made sure the documents were in line with that. And, of course, then I was one of the... Five deciding votes. It was a five-four vote, so it was very close to build the civic center.
0: His uh, his obituary mentioned that uh, pretty seriously, in that uh, he was being given a lot of the credit for uh, getting to the point where the civic center uh, could be built, even though uh, it, it took at least five other members of the city council to do that. Would you say would it would it be fair to say that he was kind of the driving force behind that?
6: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he he showed great leadership. And it was very interesting. When we had uh, items that were pretty controversial, and he knew that, uh, you know, for instance, I, that I wasn't too keen on it. Well, then he would call me or sit down with me, and we'd have a nice, long discussion about it. And he would give a lot more facts. Now, he didn't pressure me, but he just said, Hit the less, now here's some other facts you need to know about. And uh, it was he did did that several times about and I, I really appreciate that and other members did too that he was willing to take time uh, personal time you know to work with us on various items
0: was that uh what what did it for you that that extra time that he took to make sure that you understood the issue
6: yes that was extremely important to me and that didn't happen on the mayors after that
0: yeah for sure it's uh, i it, have heard that uh i've heard that said before uh would you say that that's just the type of person that uh that that mayor Carver was in terms of uh getting things before the council and voted on how How else would you describe him
6: well i'd say he's very personal and and he showed great leadership you know and just uh oh he was out front with everything you know what was going on and so there was no surprises for us which which is great.
0: Were there uh, were there times where he had difficulty uh, getting things through the council, or, or was he always that person that, if uh, he talked to you, that he was able to to get through what he needed to get through?
6: Yeah, he he would work it, you know, and then he would ask for sometimes for a delay. He said, "Okay, we're going to have to do some more work on this particular project and see if we can." Find out if we can correct the things that need to be done, and he would always get it done, and the project eventually would get approved. Then, or or eventually, he he say, "No, I understand where we're at, and we'll not go ahead with this project." But he was always up front about everything.
0: It didn't sound like he had too many defeats like that in the council, did he? Oh,
6: that's right, he didn't. That's right, absolutely. <laughs>
0: Um, how would you describe him uh, outside of the council? What kind of a person in general was he?
6: Oh, well, he was very personable, and was always interested in your, your family and what's going on. I had two careers with him, one on the city council, and then I was a liaison officer for the Air Force Academy and worked with 12 high schools and ICC in this area uh, with the counselors and, of course, students that were interested in the academy. And then Dick was a regional officer for the Air Force Academy, so there were several of us under him in Illinois, and uh, and so I had two careers with him then: one on the council and one as a liaison officer of the Air Force Academy.
0: What was that uh, like working with them on the Air Force Academy versus uh, the city council? Was there any difference?
6: No, it's pretty well the same, but of course we had to be work very diligently with the counselors at the high schools of course to find out who was interested in the academy and of course then with Dick you had to report back to him you know, how many students you had talked to you know and and What's the success rate, you know, of them getting the appointments, too?
0: I have just a little bit of time left, so let me uh, maybe kind of have you wrap up and, and talk a little bit more about Mayor Carver and uh, some of your memories of him.
6: I guess my memory is always that uh, I enjoyed working closely with him, and he was very personal. And, of course, I always showed great leadership, you know. He never took the back seat in that thing. He was always out front leading us so that I, I admired him for you.
0: Was he different um, in terms of a public official and elected official versus maybe some of the people you've seen on as mayor or city council in the years after him?
6: Yeah, well, I think the thing that was the key thing, he was a businessman and not a politician and, and used a lot of traits from business as to what, how to run a city and uh, that worked out very well. So that's the difference I've seen between him and and some other people that are, that are just strictly politicians.
0: More Week in Review coming up. Celebrating nurses turned into some important research for one local hospital group. This past week has been National Nurses Week, and both Peoria hospital groups celebrated in various ways. For Carl Health, they brought in Therapy horses to the Proctor Hospital campus. Dogs and horses are the only two certified types of therapy animals. And as I talked about with Carl Health Methodist Nursing Professional Development Specialist Lindsay Wilson, Therapy animals in general have proven their worth for nurses as much as patients.
7: We are doing part of a project called Paws for Pets where uh, no- horses were coordinated to come out here at Proctor so that nurses can take a little break from the bedside and come and de-stress with horses.
0: How did this come about, I guess, in a broad sense? I, yeah. I think of you know therapy animals for like patients in hospitals, yes. but I guess I didn't think about it for nurses, but it might be just as... Needed, right?
7: Yeah, it's absolutely just as needed. And I will tell you, um, when I was working at the bedside and therapy dogs would come around, it's the nurses that probably get most excited. Uh, Patients definitely do too, but the nurses, it makes their day. So um, back in 2020, I started a project called Pause for Pets and this project studied the stress level of nurses. So we took nurses away from the bedside and we gave them a 15 minute break with a therapy dog. And we studied their blood pressure, heart rate, and stress level on a stress scale, let them interact with the dogs, and then we retested those measures to see is there a difference that we can actually measure. We had a control group to see, okay, maybe it's just the break causing the decrease in stress. Um, Both did decrease stress, but the dogs significantly made an impact. Um, So we thought, you know what? we can do something with this. We can get more therapy dogs to our nursing staff to support them and help with our stress and burnout levels.
0: I kind of imagine that you probably had a feeling that might be the end result though, right?
7: I'm a huge dog lover, yeah. so I know how it impacts me. Um, I was really hopeful. I kept an open mind though, because you know uh, you never know how these things will go. Not everyone's a dog lover. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you see a dog and you see people just light up and smile, you know they're de-stressing. <laughs>
0: So how did you get up to horses then?
7: Well, that's a great question. So we were trying to coordinate therapy dogs, and we weren't sure um, if we had available volunteers. And one of my directors, Cammie, was able to get us horses. And I said, heck yeah, let's do it.
0: Um, so how have, uh, you've been doing this this week? Is that right?
7: Yes. Um, so yesterday we did four therapy dogs at the Methodist campus, um, where nurses, we took some of the dogs to the nurses and then some were able to break away from, um, their busy day to come and just, uh, pet a lot of dogs and they just loved it. And then last week we able, we were able to take two therapy dogs all around Proctor to the nurses and they just lit up.
0: That, um... I was going to say you didn't need a study to tell you that though. No,
7: absolutely not. (laughs) Just from personal experience. So
0: uh, how, obviously you, you had to do the research to make sure that this was going to work, but, uh, has this otherwise, I guess, gone above and beyond your expectations or are you still trying to figure that out?
7: It definitely has. I did the project and I was like, okay, I'm done with my project. Um, and now it's like, wait, 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 we can do more with this. Let's actually make this meaningful and keep going. Um, So it's expanding in a way that is just awesome. I have a lot of support from my leadership and an encouragement from my leadership team, and that makes the world of difference. So it has, yeah, gone above my expectations for sure.
0: And you said you started in 2020, and I can't imagine that that was kind of, uh, well, let's just say an interesting time, shall we say, with the start of the pandemic to do that? How how has that kind of evolved, or or is that... How has that changed, I guess, since that time?
7: So everything happens for a reason. Um, We unfortunately weren't able to uh, conduct the actual study component in 2020 just because of regulations and lockdowns to keep people safe. Um, But I think it was perfect timing because coming out of such a hard pandemic, a lot of nurses were their stress was at an all time high. Um, They saw a lot during the pandemic. So I think implementing a study to help with their stress coming off that pandemic was even more impactful than in the middle of it.
0: I uh, have some friends who were nurses, and one of the things they said was that it was, it obviously was stressful, but that there were times where even the public was unnecessarily harsh on them. So that I imagine that that all just kind of came to a head and you almost needed to do this.
7: Absolutely. Um, Nurses and medical staff in general, you know, we get people at um, sometimes they're worse because when you don't feel good when you're it's scary it's stressful and it's hard to be you know your best self and put your best self forward and so nurses really um, work hard to meet our patients needs not just physically but mentally Um, and I think we need to remember as nurses and medical staff to take care of ourselves first Um, and so doing little initiatives that can help with stress is important.
0: Are there other things that you've been thinking about or that uh that Carl's been thinking about in terms of you know helping nurses and, and frontline workers and things like that?
7: Oh yes there's all kinds of projects out there that we've worked on. There's um there's relaxation rooms that a lot of the units have implemented with massage chairs, aromatherapy, um, relaxing music. There's definitely programs that assist our staff. Um, There's mentor programs where um, some of our more golden established staff can um, help out the new staff feel welcome and just um, be a listening ear as they transition into their career and profession.
0: Have you heard from from other nurses with with other ideas that that maybe sound like good ideas?
7: Um, We have. We have a few studies going on right now um, that haven't quite taken off yet, but they are definitely in the start. And some of them specifically are working on, I think, reducing anxiety in their specific unit. Um, I have not heard more of the implementation that they're going to use, but I'm really excited because I know that they're working hard to have a good outcome.
0: I'm thinking I'm seeing this and I'm thinking about what you're saying and I guess maybe I'm what I'm thinking is why How come nobody thought about this sooner?
7: I think that's a great question. So I will say we did see one hospital in the United States that did this study back in 2019, and that's where we thought that's a great idea. But when I was uh, researching for literature, it wasn't specific to nursing. And so I'm not sure. I think we get really focused on patients um, with therapy dogs, but I'm like, let's change this a little bit.
0: I think I focused a bit on the not surprising part that this obviously works, but uh, has anything about doing this or or researching this? Has anything surprised you about it?
7: Um, I think my biggest surprise was seeing the changes in their actual vital signs um, because that's a very objective data. Uh, I I expected them to rate their stress lower because they're probably excited about the dogs, but to actually see it impact them on a physical standpoint did actually surprise me.
0: Let me talk a little bit um, about the, the horses that came out today. How'd you find them?
7: Um, so I believe that their handler is a worker as a supervisor at Pekin.
0: Okay, uh, so <laughs> that, yeah, she she must not have like she must have uh, plenty of time to do both then, right? Deal work with horses and uh, work in the hospital. She
7: must. <laughs> <laughs> she just works all the time, I guess.
0: So how she? So did she offer to bring them out?
7: She did. Yes. So she coordinated with her director um, that got her to bring them here.
0: That's wonderful. So I imagine that uh, seeing this working out today, and seeing the therapy dogs work, are you are you able to figure out how to? do this more often i guess
7: yes our goal is to get them to the units more um right now they come a couple times a week but mostly day shifts so we want to impact our night shift and those that work off shifts and weekends
0: yeah i was going to say those are probably times outside of just the daytime hours that are probably even more stressful right
7: they can be absolutely they both have their different kind of stress i would say
0: for sure all right is there uh, anything about this that uh I i guess where do you go from here what do you do for an encore
7: Gosh, that's a great question. It's going to be hard to follow this one up. I don't know. Maybe um, the other campuses are a little jealous of horses. Maybe we should coordinate something out there.
0: Yeah, you got somebody from Pekin Hospital to bring all, all the horses all, all the way here? That's probably what we should do next. <laughs> yeah, and uh, this, uh, I, we should probably just clarify... You, you, this is just one of probably, I imagine, a number of things you do to support and, and show show all the love for the nurses. Right?
7: Oh, absolutely! Uh, just Nursing Week alone, we've had ice cream, and we went to the. We've made sure we loved on our night shifters too, and we brought ice cream to them. We've had popcorn. Um, they had mis- masseuses come out to the hospital for our nursing staff. Um, I'm probably missing a couple things, but they've they've done the blessing of the hands where chaplain came and um, blessed each nurse, which was really neat, too.
0: Thank you so much, and thanks for doing this.
7: Absolutely. Thank you so much.
0: That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us at this time next week on this Midwest Communications Station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in central Illinois. You don't have to wait for Week in Review to get the lowdown on what's happening in central Illinois. For instant news 24-7, follow us at 1470 WMBD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and at WMBDRadio.com. I'm Will Stevenson, WMBD Radio News.